Alright, well, um, today I actually want to share a message that I shared over at the high school about a month ago. Uh, I've been thinking a lot about Daniel, because I read a book about the importance of living for Christ in a culture that increasingly does not appreciate or care what he thinks. And so I got really challenged by that book, and so I put together this message, which I titled, The Prowess of Daniel. Now, prowess means two different things. First of all, it means skill, but it also means an extraordinary courage. And I think it's important for us to remember that courage does not necessarily mean the absence of fear. Courage often means being afraid and acting anyway. And so, I really think that's important for us to remember. There are many times when I don't feel courage. But I, I have to believe that in, in the right times, and the right circumstances, that I need courage, um, that God will provide that courage for me. So, um, I will be turning... Uh, actually to a couple different chapters in the book of Daniel, so we'll see how we get through this, and hopefully you'll have some small time. Um, we'll just see how this goes. But my first point is Daniel had purpose of heart. Daniel had purpose of heart, and we're going to read from Daniel chapter 1, verses 8 to 16, and just to give a little bit of background on Daniel. Um, he was a guy who was not much older than you guys, especially the 8th graders. Probably not much older than you guys, maybe. He might have been high school age, but he was a pretty young guy. And something very hard happened in his life. Uh, his people were captured by an evil king, and the best young people, young men especially, of, the, of their land, the land of Israel, were taken captivity into Babylon. And the best of those people were given opportunities to be uh, part of the advisors to the king. But before that, Daniel was brought uh, for training in Babylon. And of course, this is a foreign country with, most importantly, foreign beliefs, things that Daniel didn't know anything about, things that Daniel wasn't supposed to know anything about. Um, the Ten Commandments in Exodus, which he probably studied, says, Thou shalt have no other God before me. These are things that he had to consider because in Babylon they had many gods, and, and even the king was often much like a god. Um, but uh, in Daniel chapter 1, verse 8, it says, For Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested the prince of the eunuch that he might not defile himself. Now, God has brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuch. And the prince of the eunuch said unto Daniel, I fear my lord, the king which has appointed your meat and drink. For why should you see um, your faces worse likings than the children which are of your sort? 
Then he shall make me a name in my head to the king. Then said Daniel to Melchizedek, when the prince of the eunuchs had said over Daniel, Ananias, Mishael, and Azariah, Prove thy servants as it teach thee ten days, and let them give us all to eat and water and drink. Then let our countenance be looked upon before thee, and the countenance of the children that you the portion of the king's meat. And as thou seest, deal with thy servants. So he consented in the manner, and proved them ten days. And at the end of ten days, the countenance would be fairer and badder in the flesh than all the children which you eat the portion of the king's meat. Thus Malchus took away the portions of their meat and the wine that they should drink, and gave them all. So we see a situation here, first of all with Daniel, that he purposely retarded that he would not defile himself. No doubt he uh, knew that he was going to this foreign land. They, they kidnapped him. They, they, they took away his ability to have a future in the way he was probably thinking of. But he had purpose in his heart. He had decided beforehand that if he was put in a situation where he would compromise his standards and his beliefs, that he would stand firm. It's not enough for us to decide in the moment that we will do the right thing. We have to decide before the temptations come. Because if you don't decide before the temptations come, this is where I draw my line, the temptations can take you down. I've had personal experience with that. You have to decide before the temptation comes, this is how I'm going to react if I'm given this scenario. Now, obviously, you can't do that for every single scenario because you can't possibly know what each scenario is going to be. But Daniel purposed in his heart that this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to follow the one true God, even in this pagan environment where nobody follows him. And uh, we're getting um, more and more pagan as we go as an American culture. So I just want to encourage uh, each of you kids here, first of all, be grateful for where you are at the Father's house, where we can talk about Jesus everywhere, where Jesus can be incorporated into every part of what we do here at the Father's house. I am extremely grateful that every day I get up and I go into, go into work and that I not only have co-workers, but I have brothers and sisters in Christ with whom I will spend the rest of eternity. And I get to work with them every day. The thrill of my life. And to be able to impact students for Christ every day. And we're getting ready to say goodbye to the seniors in just a few short weeks. And it's going to be the saddest day of my school year. But I got through it last year, so I'll get through it this year. Um, but I just want to say that um, you need to have a plan. You need to know what you believe. This, this is why discipleship is so important. That's why it's not something that I would encourage you not to check out. Some people say, well, discipleship isn't really a class. I can just move off with my friends. But these discipleship leaders, they come of their own accord. They volunteer to come here and be with you and do this discipleship with you so that you can be stronger men and women of God. And that doesn't start when you turn 18. That starts now. You know, in the Jewish culture, uh, when a girl was 12 and a guy was 13, they were considered men. They began the journey of manhood and womanhood. And while I'm not um, necessarily saying that we should adapt everything they did, 
I do believe that we would be far better served as a culture if we had that mentality. That we expected you guys to be young men and women. Because that's what God made you to be. And it doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen because you go to bed one night and you're 17 and then the next day you wake up and you're 18 and you're an adult. It doesn't happen that way. It happens gradually. It's a journey. So I want to encourage you to be like Daniel. And the purpose in your heart that you're going to honor God with everything you have. So, in talking about Daniel and his prowess or his courage, as we said, our second point is that Daniel's prowess prevented destruction. Daniel's prowess prevented destruction. We go to Daniel chapter 2. We will find that the king uh, has an anger problem, and he decides, hey, to his wife, he I need you to tell me the interpretation of my dream, but I'm not going to tell you the dream. I want you to tell me the dream, and then tell me the interpretation. And let's see um, what happens here with Daniel. Um, let's see here. Therefore, Daniel went in unto Ariok, whom the king had ordained to destroy the wise men of Babylon. He went in and said, uh, Destroy not the wise men of Babylon, bring him before the king, and I will show him the king's interpretation. Then Ariok brought Daniel in before the king of Hades and said, God, I have found a man of the captains of Judah who will make known the interpretation. And the king answered and said unto Daniel, whose name is Belshazzar, Art thou able to make known unto me the dream which I have seen in the interpretation thereof? Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, The secret which the king hath demanded cannot the wise men and the astrologers and the magicians and the truth they have shown unto the king. But there is a God in heaven that reveals secrets and maketh known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days. So Daniel has a perfect opportunity right there to take credit for being this great dream interpreter, having this great skill. But what does he do? He points to God. He says, there is a God in Israel who reveals secrets. When God gives us a talent or an ability to do something, it's important that we realize where it comes from. Philippians chapter 2, verse 11 says, For it is God who worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. God's work. And Daniel is simply acknowledging that this is God's work. And an important thing that I didn't read for sake of time, but before this happened in chapter 2, Daniel hears about this. He goes to his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and he says, we need to pray about this. We need to pray that God would give an answer. And so they pray and seek God earnestly until he gives the answer. And then when he gives the answer, Daniel goes before the king and tells the dream. And he saved a bunch of people from destruction because the king was going to take off their heads. He was going to destroy their homes. He was probably going to kill their children. But because of Daniel's courage, he saved um, this whole group of officials from certain death. And the ironic thing here is they, these were officials that served a pagan king that served a pagan God, they didn't have any respect for the God of Israel. 
and yet David thought they were worth saving. And I think that's an important lesson to us too, is because we don't get to decide who's worth saving. Jesus says everyone is worth saving. Jesus died for everyone on the cross. The only determinant of whether I am saved from certain destruction is what I do with Jesus. If I choose to reject him, I will have an eternity in hell. But he doesn't want that for anyone. He wants us to have an eternity in heaven. And more than that, he wants us to have an abundant life here on earth. One where we talk to him every day. One where we walk with him every day. One where we're involved in a community. You know, um, Mrs. Stoner and Mrs. Johnson and I, we pray for each other regularly. We text each other. I haven't been able to be in, be in the same place as them and pray with them on a weekly basis like I did last year. But we text each other, we pray for each other, we lift each other up. And I have co-workers at the, at the high school that we, we do the same thing. We encourage one another. Uh, we can stop. What I love is when a student's struggling, I can stop in the hall and I can say, can I pray for you? And I won't get in trouble for it. Because there is no hope apart from Jesus. Anyone who tells you that is lying. Um, it's just the truth. Um, so then we move on to our third point, which is Daniel's prowess prompted others. Billy Graham once said that if you have, if, if someone, if a man has courage, the spines around, the spines of others around him are stiffened. Courage is contagious, and we'll see in Daniel chapter 3, verse 16, just how this worked out for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Um, Daniel 3, 16. Daniel 16 says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said unto the king, O king of the we are not careful to answer thee in this manner. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thy hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy God, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury, and informed the form of this image which changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was wont to be heated. And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and to cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their hoses in their hats, and their garments were cast into the midst. Therefore, because of the king's commandment was urgent, and the furnace was exceedingly hot, the flames of the fire flew the men and took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Then Nebuchadnezzar, the king, was astonished and rose up in haste and spake and said unto his humblers, Do we not cast three men bound in the midst of the fire? They answered the king and said, True, O king. He said, Lo, I see a fourth man. Walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. Although I see four men walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Then nothing in the king hears from 
And every day that I get to live in this body, even though some days are hard, it reminds me of my dependence on Jesus. Paul had a thorn in the flesh. He asked three times for God to take it away, and God said no each time. And he said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. And then Paul had this great response. He didn't say, I'm going to glory when you remove my infirmity. No, that's not what we, read, what we read. He says, I will most gladly, therefore, glory in my infirmity that the power of Christ may rest upon me. The power of Christ was able to rest on Paul the way that it did because of his infirmity, not in spite of it. So I want to encourage you. If you're struggling physically or if you're struggling in any other facet of life, know that God can use that to write your story. So, I have one final point, and then I think I want to share a song from YouTube that's just too good not to share. So, I trust that if you don't have a lot of time, you can make up for it later, but I just feel the need to share this. The fourth one, and final point, is that Daniel persisted in prayer. And for sake of time, I won't read the whole passage. But I encourage you to write down that Daniel 6, 13 to 27 is a story essentially where Daniel um, had a choice to make. Because the, the, the officials that Daniel worked with, they hated him. But he had such a good reputation and this challenges me. Because I don't think I have quite that kind of a reputation. But he had such a good reputation that the Bible says that the people that were against him were looking for ways to trap him. They were looking for ways to get him to go against his convictions or, or places where he had so they could record him, so they could get him in trouble. And they couldn't find him because he lived a life of total integrity. So they said, the only way we're going to get Daniel to do something wrong is if we, if we get him to, if going against his God becomes wrong, then we can get him to do wrong because he never goes against his God. And actually, I will read this because I don't want to anything else. So then answered they and said before the king, that Daniel, which is of the children of the captivity of Judah, regards not me, O king, nor the decree that thou hast signed, but make him his petition three times a day. Then the words that uh, make the petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was sore to sleep in himself, and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him, and labored for the going down of the sun to deliver him. So the story is, that they decided to come up with this rule that if you pray to anyone but the king for 30 days, you get thrown in the down line. Because they knew that Daniel prayed three times a day towards Jerusalem to his window open. Now Daniel had a choice to make here too because he could have just closed his window and prayed in secret, but he didn't. He said, I'm not going to allow the dictates of men to dictate how I pray. I'm going to pray where everyone can see it, because I'm not ashamed of my God. 
Then these men assembled unto the king and said, King, know, O king, the law of the Medes and Persians, Persians is that no decree nor stature which the king had set was to be changed. Then the king commanded, and they cast him in the den of lions. Now the king spoke unto Daniel, Thy God will thou serve continually, he will deliver thee. And a stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet, and with the signet of his Lord, that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and passed the night fasting. Neither were instruments of music brought to him, and his sleep went from him. So the king is up all night, and the king arose very early in the next morning. Probably like you when you're when you're getting ready to go somewhere exciting, like maybe you're going to a day at Cedar Point, you didn't sleep all night, you get up or maybe Christmas morning is a better better analogy, but you get up at like four AM and you say, Well it's Christmas Day, I'm dad, I'm dad. Let's go over the brothers and I'm dad on your flight. It's four AM. Go back to bed. But the king wasn't gonna go back to bed. He went and ate to the dead lions, and when he came to the den, Cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spoke and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God who service continually able to deliver thee from the lions? Then said Daniel unto the king, O king of forever, my God has sent an angel and has shut the lion's mouth, and they have not heard, heard me. For so much before him, innocent he was found in me, and also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. It really strikes me and humbles me that Daniel served not one, not two, but a total of four pagan kings. And he did so without ever compromising his Um this song I was actually directed to by my sister, the new Johnny Diet song. Some of you may have heard it. But it's called You Do Not Define Me. And what I want you to do is as you listen to this song, I want you to think about it in the context of yourself. Because the devil doesn't define you. What defines you is that you are made in the image of God. For his purposes. The Bible says in, in uh, Ephesians chapter, chapter 2, verse 10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, to do the work which he has before ordained that we should walk in them. God knew before I was born that I was going to come to this place called the Potter's House. I was born before the Potter's House even existed. Can you think about how old that makes me? But God knew that I was going to be here. And that he had a purpose for me here. So I just want to share this song with you, and then we'll close the prayer.
pretty sure that when Daniel went to Babylon, the devil thought that he'd won a victory over Daniel and his people. But God promised never to leave the people of Israel. And he used Daniel in many ways when he was in Babylon. He notices every one of these stories, what happened. At the end of the story, there's glory given to God. At the end of the story, no matter what the circumstances, there's glory given to God. So my encouragement to you is to make your story, whatever your story is, however bad or good or whatever it is, to make your story your message. There's somebody who needs to hear your story. And they don't need to hear how many verses you memorize. They don't need to hear um, the great necessarily theological truths of Scripture, although those are important. What they most need to hear is the power of a changed life through the resurrected Christ. As Johnny Dyer said in that song, the devil's threats are, are as empty as Jesus' grave. My friends, he's not there anymore. He's risen. And because of that, you and I can live in resurrection power. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this room of middle school and thank you for giving me the refreshment of being able to be here with my old friends and um, I look forward to seeing the eighth graders at school every day next year. I'll probably annoy them at some point. But I do look forward to that. I'm so grateful to be a part of the Potter's house and that God has granted you that much. Now go with us as we go our separate ways and just bless whatever remainder of time there is just help them have a wonderful spring and finish the school year strong and remember that the devil does not define them. He's lost and his days are numbered. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.